0: Good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you are in the world, you're listening to the 14th edition of the Scottish Field Podcast, released on Wednesday the 23rd of June 2021. Thanks for joining us today. As ever, my name's Kenny Smith, I'm your host for the next 20 or so minutes, and I'm also the web editor of Scottish Field, and we're going to bring you some more chat and an exclusive preview of a fascinating new Scottish podcast that's coming. As well as how to take advantage of a special offer to subscribe to our digital edition and help restore a Scots castle. We've also got a special subscription if you're looking to get your hat on a print subscription to the magazine. Every month, Scottish Field brings you the best of all things Scottish heritage, interiors, antiques, gardens, wildlife, motoring, whisky, and country news, as well as interviews with famous Scots. Our July edition is now in the shops, price £4.75 and you can buy it online. I'll share details of how you can do that before the end of today's podcast. So today, let's get underway with something I know a fair bit about from first-hand experience. Let's talk about the Scottish Field website. I joined Scottish Field in September 2017 at an exciting time, as the website was about to be completely rebuilt from scratch, and I had the chance to play my part. In developing it and bringing some new and interesting content. Coming from a newspaper background, having worked in papers such as the Inverurie Advertiser and Advertiture, The IscoBright News, The Relible Reformer, The Daily Mirror, The Daily Record and The Ayrshire Post, I had built up a good idea of what makes a good story and what people want to read about. So, as a result, our website, which you can find at www.scottishview.co.uk, reflects the magazine as we have sections covering homes and gardens, food and drink, the outdoors, travel, culture, fashion and beauty, as well as living, as well as other sections, such as competitions and subscriptions. So, how do we as a team choose what goes up to the website? Firstly, we want to find something that is relevant to Scottish Field and its readers, so it has to reflect those sections of the magazine. However, as the website is more immediate, We can feature items of news that are not mentioned in the magazine and can bring you, for example, weekly previews of TV shows such as Scotland's Home of the Year, which we did every Wednesday, just hours before the show was broadcast. We also can bring you food and drinks reviews from new restaurants which are opening around the country, with our team having connections in Edinburgh, Glasgow, Dundee and Aberdeen, and we're never afraid to travel to try something new. We also bring you news of new openings and menus at restaurants we can all personally recommend. That's not to forget about drinks, as we also have our dedicated drinks blog, The Grape and the Grain, from Peter Ranscombe, who, if you have tuned in previously, will know that he talked about this in the second episode of the podcast. You should also keep an eye on our property section, as we bring you some fascinating homes of note from around the country, which our advertisers have listed with them. Every day, we also bring you a book review with a star rating, giving you a guide to what's out there. As a bibliophile myself, I really enjoy seeing the vast array of books relating to Scotland that are out there, whether it's fiction or non-fiction, historical or contemporary. We also have, in our culture section, theatre reviews when we're able to visit them, and that's something I personally cannot wait for once the Covid levels return to a lower level. We also try our hardest to bring you content that we find interesting as a team and reflects the interests of Scottish field readers. So, if you have a look, you can find fascinating top 10 lists such as Scotland's greatest writers, as well as great places to visit and fascinating facts about towns and cities around Scotland. So that's a little overview of what we do in the Scottish Field website, which as I said, you can visit at www.scottishfield.co.uk As I mentioned earlier, we have two special subscription offers at present. You can subscribe for £10.69 per quarter to a physical copy of the magazine, saving 25% in the cover price of the magazine, or for just £50, can get a three-year digital subscription and a free bottle of Arun Malt workstops last, as long as you're over the age of 18, of course. If you enter the code Maclean, that's M-A-C-L-E-A-N, £10 will be donated to the Deward Castle Roof Restoration Appeal for each subscription purchased. Scottish Field is proudly supporting this year's Maclean gathering, normally held in the Isle of Mull find out more about how to subscribe just visit www.scottishfield.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. And joining us now is Carl Gordon who is set to present a new podcast, Landed, a personal exploration of land ownership and colonial legacy which is told by himself, a Scottish farmer's son who has returned home to his family farm. Launching on the 29th of June, Landed by Farmerama Radio is produced by Katie Revel and Cole, a 34-year-old baker and seed researcher who grew up on a 270-acre livestock farm in the Highlands, an area known to have the highest concentration of land ownership in Western Europe. In the series, Cole starts to question long-held assumptions that challenge his idea of the small family farm and the viability of its future. Over four episodes, he explores not only the current challenges of farm succession and access to land in the UK, but also what lost history, colonial legacy and traditional Gaelic relationships with the land, going as far back as the Highland clearances and the slave trade. Before we chat with Cole, let's hear an excerpt from the podcast now.
1: So, my name's Cole. I'm a farmer's son who was brought up on a livestock farm in the Scottish Highlands. I was raised and brought up entirely on the farm. Dad was born on the farm, more or less. He spent his whole life working there. There was an expectation that none of us would want to take over the farm. So, presumably, the succession plan was therefore... To sell the farm that has been a constant within my adult life has been like how can we work out how to not sell the farm essentially it's going to go to the highest bidder the people who would be able to buy the farm should it go on the market would be a much bigger operation than what we are it's going to be either an amalgamation with a bigger farm or it's going to be some sort of commercial corporate a carbon corporate possibly at this point but it would not be farmed by anyone with a small farm future vision it would be large scale probably not many people involved any sense of culture that that we might feel with the farm what it means what we feel it means there would be a dislocation there You know there's plenty of sheep farms but there's there's not many inch and downs in 2020 after years of working out how to try to do that and lots of tears and lots of lots of conversations and lots of strategic planning as to like the roadmap to moving back to the farm literally about five years of concerted planning and effort and compromise we made it back to the farm, we moved back with an intention of trying to get more involved in the running of it. Have a go at that one. You ready? The family farm structure only works if you're born in the right place, you're born to the right family, Everything lines up at the right time. You have the exactly the right partner. Everything has to line up. It's just so inaccessible. If my future working life is going to be on a farm, the family farm, I have no interest in that just being me by myself, and possibly my family working on that farm for the next 40 years that's not what I want my life to be and that's not a way that I envision the farm to
0: be. Over the four episodes Cull unpicks Scotland's role as both coloniser and colonised and increasingly struggles to reconcile the image of the small family farm as the hero of regenerative farming and local food movements with his new understanding of its deep roots still entangled in imperial ideals. Through the series, Kolb speaks to farmers, family members and activists, historians, academics and eco-psychotherapists. He starts to ask who the land should serve and how it can be made to do so. He seeks to discover how we can repair some of the damage caused by past and present exploitation and create a future where landscapes are managed collectively for the benefit of everyone. And this week, Cole joins us on the Scottish Field Podcast. My name's Cole Gordon. I'm a farmer's son, Scottish Highlands,
1: who's recently moved back to our family farm. We're a livestock farm, about 270 acres. And yeah, I've been interested thinking about how to move it in more ecological directions over the last like 10 years or so. But yeah, I've also been sort of questioning just the structure of the family farm as just how sustainable going into the future it's going to be with all sorts of, there's all sorts of issues that are connected to farming that are happening at the moment. And as well as thinking about how to how to move things in ecological directions, I'm just thinking about that question
0: as well. So what can you say about growing up on a farm? And my great uncle, had a farm in Aberdeenshire so I'm well aware of the issues that all go around it. So what was your life like in the farm as you were wee? Was it something you were always going to go into? Sort
1: of looking back you you look at well I certainly look at my childhood growing up on the farm and it was it was pretty much sort of fairy tale stuff like it was a pretty idyllic childhood growing up we had we were sort of lots of grounds to play in loads of um, yeah it was it was it was pretty wonderful but I never anticipated farming as the, as something that I was going going to go into. That really came quite a bit later. It was not really anything that was it wasn't something that was really encouraged either. We were encouraged to go off to university myself and my brothers and, and study and, and think about other things but but farming was it was just not not really talked about as something we would do, and yeah. That came much later when I started thinking more about I was becoming exposed to loads, loads of different issues that you, you do in your early 20s. And, yeah, uh, realised that actually the farm could be, we could, we could do something that could be really interesting in terms of, in terms of something that might be able to change things in, in a tiny little way, but be something really positive. I had this realisation in my 20s that I really wanted to farm in my very early 20s, but it didn't come until then.
0: So what was it you did at university?
1: I was an art school brat I went and I studied animation of all things which I pretty much just left at the door I, once I got my degree but have not really pursued it in any in any way but I do think it has definitely that the thinking that you get from an art school degree has has informed a lot of the way that I think <laughs> uh, which I, I don't I don't regret even though I've not, never done anything with
0: it. <laughs> so you went off after you finished that so what can you say about your travels my intention was always to basically go
1: and skill up for a year or two and then come back to the farm and sort of try to implement some of these things I was I was learning about and becoming really interested in about. So I was really getting interested in things like regenerative agriculture that was starting to emerge at the time, mob grazing, heritage grains, all these kind of things. And and I went initially moved down to the south of England to do this, to find out more about these things. And life sort of got in the way of my plan because I, I met my wife down there and yeah it was it was quite tricky to to be able to move up but in my time down south I was involved in all sorts of things so I was uh well I, I ran a sourdough bakery down there I was I was involved in a lot of research to do with old types of grains and more ecological type of growing I was a butcher I was a chef all sorts of yeah all sorts of things to do with sort of I was interested in the value adding side of stuff and so but it was about it was about 10 years of working in all sorts of different jobs related to food and farming before I finally managed to
0: move back up to the farm. Just when you're mentioning all those things there it's sort of everything is almost farming related in a way which it's probably just complete coincidence but it's it's quite amusing to think that your path seemed to be become predestined for you there.
1: Yeah I mean I, I think it was it was definitely not an accident that I was. I mean, I was. I was. I was identifying skills that I thought these these could be really relevant, because I knew I wanted to get back to the farm. It didn't really bother me if I was sort of starting at the, the bottom of the ladder every time, because I thought oh, these are skills that that are really important to to scale up. But it was always with the intention of of farming and knowing that these connect.
0: So, what was it that convinced you that you were going to come back home and go back to the farm?
1: Oh, I, I, I'm not sure I'd be able to put a moment to that really other than just this realization literally sort of 15 years ago that like there was this absolute opportunity because we are landowners uh, because we have a farm that 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 wasn't a barrier which i've discovered in my time away that, and it was a, a, a number of points it was looking like it wasn't going to be a, the case that would be able to, to move move back to the farm. But just how tricky it is for, for people who would be in that situation where they, they want to farm but don't actually have a farm. That, that is really quite a hurdle to get over. It's, it's a very, very big hurdle to get over. And, yeah, I mean, it's always been that I always wanted to move back to the farm because I knew that we had this farm. Um, and that is a very, very privileged position. And I, I've, I've known that for a long time.
0: So when did the idea for this new series come about? Yeah,
1: I mean, I suppose it's been building for a long time, to, to a certain extent, in that I've been thinking about the, this question of like, what happens to all, all these farms when farmers start retiring? Because, I mean, we've got the average age and the official numbers is, is, is 59 of, of farmers in Scotland. So there, there's a high likelihood that a lot of farmers are going to start to sort of get out of this space and there's all sorts of reasons why that might be the case this question of what happens when when all these farmers start to retire to the land has been at the fore of my mind particularly with this 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 question of well if new entrants can't get in because of all the challenges for getting in what what happens and it was just this this question of what trying to investigate that and then I um yeah I mean the spark of the series itself came from I read a quote on social media, which, yeah, just sort of caught me completely off guard and, and punched me in the stomach, which was quite a controversial quote, but it made me think a lot. <laughs> and it was, um, the small family farm is a colonial concept. I mean, it was it was a big one. And I sort of was ruminating on this line for a long time and thinking, oh, th- there is something here. I don't understand it. That line was the start of, of this, <laughs> really.
0: So what can you say about the contents of the episodes as they come around? So, well, first of all, I I look at this question
1: purely from the area where I'm living and where I'm from, which is the Scottish Highlands and islands. I felt that it was really important to just ground this work in in a specific place so you can get a a context for it. I'm looking into the history of this area through this, this lens of a sort of if you like, colonialism, to try to understand basically how we've got to this point where the family farm is such a unquestioned structure. <laughs> we just take it as, as, as utterly normalized. And what I've found is that 300 years ago, it, it actually didn't exist in, in this part of the world. So yeah, there's, there's all sorts of connections as well to do with all places across the world that have also been affected by colonialism. Um, that I've found are, are sort of embedded into the land and the landscape here. So yeah, there, there's a lot going on in the podcast. I'm looking at a, a great number of different topics.
0: <laughs> it sounds like the, there's a lot more to it than perhaps people might think, having read the initial news release about what it was going to feature. And it definitely will appeal to those, not just in the farming community, but those with an interest in, the, in Scottish history and how things work certainly within scottish
1: history we know about we know about certain things so we we know about the highland clearances for instance we've learned about that we know about the clan system we we understand these things but i think what's for me been really eye opening is just how these things are all connected to other things that have happened elsewhere and how we have, when I say elsewhere, I mean, across across the world and how we have, yeah, sort of different, there there was a very different way of life but before all these things happened. And I don't think what happened to the Highlands was, well, I mean, it was unique, but I don't think it was like a one-off occurrence that this was the only type of place that this happened across the world. You can see echoes of exactly what happened here all over the place and being able to make that connection that, for instance, yeah the the connections between what was happening in in enslaved Africans in the Caribbean that there's lots of connections between that and the farming landscape here and and that's not an obvious connection until you start really unpicking these things following the money that was getting made for all sorts of colonial projects around the world that had a massive effect on the shape of our landscape uh, and particularly our farming landscape
0: even today. Some of it must have been quite emotional for you looking through these things sort of perhaps triggering things that you wouldn't have expected to have found? It's definitely been
1: emotional in the sense that, like, there's just long-held assumptions about sort of, about maybe the things that have always, thinking about things or maybe not thinking about things, not questioning things. And then as soon as you start to scratch the surface, all sorts of other things start to emerge. And the more, as you dig, the more you find, and the more you find, the more you dig. Yeah, every single day at this at this point, I'm just finding more and more and more. And every day, uh, there's there's at least there's at least one point where I'm I'm just sort of like shaking my head. How 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 did I not know this? How <laughs> how did how is this hidden so well? There's so much that that we we don't really understand about how we've got to the point where we are in terms of the the, the farming landscape and the landscape in general here.
0: So we've got four episodes on the way. How long are they, and what's the content in each of them?
1: So they're roughly 45 minutes each, uh, which sort of TBC with we're sort of um, last minute edits and things uh, still happening. But so, yeah, the, the, the first one is I, I'm sort of looking at some of the stuff I mentioned earlier about just the some of the problems that we're likely to see for the survival of, of family farms. as a a model over the next little while in terms of this question of what happens once people retire and maybe some of the policies that are happening at the moment, um, how how they might change things. So yeah, there's a kind of setup episode there. The second episode, I'm looking at what came before, if you like, when the clan system was still happening, how was the land itself structured and farmed? And how was that different to what we find today? And maybe if there are some things in there that are worth revisiting in terms of are there, are there are there aspects of that that are useful in some of the challenges that we might be facing today. For the third episode, I'll be looking at the connections, as I say, between w- what happened in this part of the world and how it was shaped by finance from across the world, and particularly wealth that was derived from the enslavement of Africans in the Caribbean. And yeah, just looking at just what, what the repercussions of that should be as, we're, as, as research is starting to emerge that's just showing just quite the scale of that connection, what the repercussions should be in terms of how we think about particularly land reform over, over the next little while as land reform acts start to be rolled out over the, over the coming years. And yeah, the, four, the fourth episode, just looking at how we might piece some of this together to roadmap some solutions for, for some of these questions that I've, I've been posing in the other episodes.
0: Excellent. So for those who are looking to tune in, where can they find the episodes? Well, the
1: series is put together by a programme called Farmerama, who have monthly episodes. They're just on every, every podcast platform that you should be able to find, Farmerama. And the, the show itself is called Landed. So it's just Landed by Farmerama.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's great. Cole, thank you so much for your time today. And thanks for joining Kenny, us. Scottish it's really Roots. good to you. Thank you very much. Thanks to Cole for his time. And as he said, you can listen to Landed on all major podcast platforms from Sunday the 29th of June. For more details, you can also visit www.farmarama.com Talking of all things online, you can follow Scottish Field in our social media. You can find us on Twitter at www.twitter.com forward slash ScottishField. If you're on Facebook, you can find our page at www.facebook.com forward slash ScottishField. So please come by and like us. Alternatively, you can find our Instagram page www.instagram.com forward slash that's M A G at the end. That's all we've got time for in this week's episode. But we'll be back with another edition of the podcast next week, when we'll be chatting with Guy Grieve, Scottish Field's award-winning columnist. Until then, we look forward to you hearing us. This. this has been the Scottish Field podcast. Be seeing you.